All right. Welcome to Dad Mode, God, Grit, and Goals. I am so excited uh, to introduce our speaker today. Uh, and uh, I want to introduce you to a gentleman named Steve Anderson. Steve is not just a dedicated father and mentor. He's also the creator of the Best Dad Program, uh, a guide that has transformed the lives of many dads, striving for a better work-life balance and deeper connection with their children. Uh, growing up in a challenging family environment and navigating his own journey through faith, the military, personal growth, Steve's gathered a wealth of experience, and he's here to share his insights on fatherhood, the impact of our upbringing our, uh, on our parenting, and how to balance the many roles we play as dads in today's world. So whether you're a new dad, a seasoned father, or somewhere in between, this episode is packed with wisdom, practical advice. So grab your coffee, settle in. And let's dive into a conversation with Steve Anderson on Dad Mode, God, Grit, and Goals. Steve, welcome. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be here. Good to have you. So um, you're up in the cold north. Tell everyone where you're from. Uh, yes, Minnesota, small town just north of the Twin Cities where it's currently like five degrees uh, <laughs> Before windshield. Yeah, before windshield, exactly. Yeah, we're in Dallas. My wife is always talking about, well, the feels like temperature. <laughs> I just earlier today dropped my son off at the airport. He's at, in college, going back to college in California, and he made sure to look up the temperature. Oh, wow. And it's, it's 59 where he's going, you know, so yeah. it's like about 51 degree difference, I think it was at the time he was... <laughs> All right. Checking. So he's done. He's, he's got the Minnesota thick, the thick blood. Thing. Yeah, he's 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 ready to go thin it out. Yeah. So, um, well, Steve, um, I thought we'd go through today and just give people a bit of your your background and maybe your personal journey. Um, and so let's jump in and you know let folks kind of let us know who you are. Okay. Um, well, so Steve Anderson, father, I've got two boys, one obviously college age, and I have my other son is 16, right? So um, I married, I adopted them. Um, their biological father has passed. So uh, I've been with my wife uh, for 10 years. Excellent. And so I've known the boys since they were, you know, five and nine, you know, and now it's like 16 and, and, and 20. So um, that's been... You know, we talked about this earlier before, but really being being a husband, being a father, which I came to later in life, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is amazing. You know, why did I wait so long? But but I know so long, right? Because when I was growing up, my parents uh, didn't have a, a a great relationship. I mean, they actually, when I went off to the army, I found out later. You know, they were like a hair's breadth away from from getting a divorce. Mm. Um, you know, so so growing up, the model of see, you know, it's like marriage, okay, but it wasn't something that would be like, oh, that looks like, you know, great, perfect. I need lovely. one of these. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Right, right. You know that, you know, part of it went to, you know, both of my folks um, have struggled with my dad with anxiety and depression, mm. and my mom was bipolar, and it took, you know, once she got the medication right things were just smooth. I mean, I think she went like 30, 40 years without an event, you know, but when I was younger, yeah. once or twice a year, there would be either a manic 
moment or a depressive moment. And so that just added to, you know, the, all of the stress in the house. So yeah. And as a kid, you have no clue on any of that. What's happening. No. Right. Yeah. Right. Who's showing up. I I always had food, you know, um, I always had shelter Mm -hmm. and just that there's a, on the emotional side in different ways, you know, my dad was blocked off on one way and my mom was on the other. And so it, it took a, um, I had to start figuring out once I became adult, right. How to interact with other people who are important to me, mm, you know, because yeah, yeah. the, you know, we didn't talk about stuff, you know? And so it was a very, um, I, to yeah. survive, right? Thought, okay, I'll just bury this and bury these right, emotions. Right. Well, mental health, uh, you know, today it's a topic. People, people understand and talk about it, but back then yeah. it was not. Yeah. And my dad actually, he buried his emotions so much, right, that he had a nervous breakdown. Oh wow! And so it was the only way for them to get up. And so, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact age I was, but it was around my, it was definitely my teenage years, and he was locked up mm. to make sure they didn't kill himself. So I mean, really, wow you know, serious stuff. Um, and yeah, that did. And here's the thing I think that's important for me to realize too, is that as a kid, I thought I actually had control over what was going on. Mm. You know, if, if I did this, things would be okay. And, you know, that was, I, I think a lot of kids do that or whatever we're in as children. We're like, well, this is normal, right? Like, Shout, you know, you grow up in a family that shouts at each other. Well, you you shout and that's okay. Right, right. You know what I mean? You grow up in a quieter family and then you meet and date somebody who's comes from a shouting family and all of a sudden they yell and you're like, oh my God, what is, what <laughs> is that? Right? Wrong. So, yeah. No, we're Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so um, it was just, um, I was at a place where I definitely, and I'm, and I'm glad this happened. I mean, I wouldn't, if I could go back and choose a different path, right? I would definitely hope better mental health for my parents right but the work that i had to do uh you know getting to that place where i could express myself and you know be fully present it's like okay you know yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was working when i finally did meet katie who's amazing i was at a spot where it's like oh i can be there and fully present you know so yeah. uh there's definitely a you know positive outcome out of all of that out of that mess wow right? Yep, for sure. Um, so one of the things that you had shared with me, um, you know, growing up is that you kind of had a, a search for, for meaning um, and you ended found yourself at seminary. Uh, well, actually, yes, I did. Okay. But the, the first place I went for purpose was the Army. Ah, yeah, okay. You know, in, in meaning, right? Because, uh, and I, I think a lot of men, right, so much of us purpose really matters right it's like if you've if i have a purpose it's like well okay then i can put up with 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 anything right i want to be doing something of value and uh you know growing up i long for that and that connection and and a a camaraderie right because typically with purpose there's some bonding because you find other people who are on that same purpose and then you get together and it's like okay we got a mission and so at my cousins and my brother were reading world war ii stuff i started reading world war ii stuff and it's like well here's people who love each so 
others so much, each other so much that they're willing to die for each other, right? They've got mm. a cause that they believe in. And, and you know, it's World War II fighting Nazis. I mean, as far as you can look at, you know, future conflicts that the U.S. has had and go, eh, nah. but, you know, as far as World War II goes, it's... Yeah, pretty clear cut that this was bad stuff was happening. We got to go. We got to go fix it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was my first really taste of having purpose. And, and I, I liked it better than, you know, high school, <laughs> you know, basic training. I, I, um, and that worked for a while, but ultimately it, it was like, I wasn't, um, I was in during the Gulf War, but I stayed in Texas. So, you know, no, so I think one day we actually unloaded a truck of of soldiers who had, who had been over there, right? So that's as close as I, I got to any of that. And um, I learned Polish in the army, which oh, wow. I was happy with because of my uncle. Uncle Sig was from Poland, uh, which was really cool. But while I was in basic training, the wall went down and there was basically no more need of Polish linguists. So it's like, okay, what am I doing in here? Time to go to college, right? Yeah. Went to college, uh, was doing that. And so when it talks about the the meaning, so a lot of uh, veterans have, can talk about this and I experienced too. It's like you go from the military and then you get to college and that sense of purpose is very diluted. Uh, Meaning like it just pulls away from you? Well, it's not as purposeful well, as like the mil- in the military. Is that what you mean yes, by diluted? Yes, you go into school and, and you know... Um, it's like, oh, you know, school's the purpose and that's the thing. But as far as like people working together and going for something, it, it's, 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 oh, it's diffuse, right? Yep. Everybody's there for their own thing. Yes, yes. Um, and, and so that's a transition like a lot of veterans have to make. And that was okay for me. I was like, okay, sure, fine. I'm, I'm a pretty laid back person for the most part. So it's like, okay, things are different. But over time, you know, I'm like, what am I doing? I got a job. I'm I'm ticking off the things. I got an education. I got a master's degree. I'm 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 working. And it's like I want more than the standard, you know, consumerism, right? I like buying stuff. I got a bunch of crap, you know. I so I'm not like, you know, don't own anything. Obviously. You're not a minimalist. No. Yeah. Right. right. At, at all, right? My wife probably wishes I was. But I did want some it's like, okay, there's, there's gotta be more right than just earning some money, going on a nice vacation and that's it. Right. Buy some stuff, um, like vacations. And so I thought, okay, well, where, where, where is a group that's going to, where might I find this? So I'm like, well, you know what? I, church seemed like an okay place to start. I mean, I went to, uh, I went through confirmation. That was important to me at my church. And then as soon as I could, and the folks didn't force me to go to church, I didn't. Because <laughs> for a teenager, it was quite boring. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, I started looking for churches. Oh, and here's a funny story. I went to one church, went to the service, and then I went and talked to the the, the minister afterwards and, and told him, Look, I've, I've been away from the church for a long time, and I'm looking for one. And, you know, I, I told him that, um, <laughs> that it was a Unitarian church. And I told him that, you know, hey, this, the, I want to learn more about, you know, uh, what I can learn from Jesus's life, et cetera. And he's like, ah, oh, you don't want to come here. Oh, why don't you go to this other church? So he sent me to another church. 
And I thank him for that, right? Because I mean, he was, hey, it's honest. And it's like, we don't care that much about it. Go there. And I, I went to this church. It was, um, for me, right? I, I love school, uh, uh, in learning more than school, right? I mean, uh, and this church had a lot of like retired ministers in the audience. It was like, you know, kind of connected mm. to a campus ground. And so sermons were awesome for me. I was like, yeah. oh, I kind of like that music again still more like if you were at the time i was in my 30s and if you were in your probably 50s or 60s you really liked the hymns because that's what you grew up with um you know and i was there and sometimes i just like to dive in deep end and so okay i'm looking at this and i said well who really is going to really dive deep into this and that's seminary so i looked up the seminaries on campus and i'm um you know more I'm not liberal, but I'm more liberal than conservative. There was a liberal uh, seminary. And so I, I went online, found them, started talking to them. And and within a short time, I actually, because of um, where I was and how well I did in grad school last time, I got a scholarship oh, wow. to go to seminary, um, you know, which was awesome. Yeah. And this that was really the first time I ever did any like deep dives on anything you know, and really getting to, to understand it. So that was, um, yeah, that, that was great. And I went, to, I got a master's in theology and art because I, you know, I'm a creative person. So I like writing and I was thinking about ministry, but I really wasn't feeling that, Yeah. you know? Um, and so I, I got the degree, uh, in that. And while this is going on, I'm, I'm teaching, uh, community college teacher, you know, at the time English. So I'm doing, you know, teaching and then, you know, at night or when I can, you know, or however my schedule works, going, going to seminary. And that was, um, that was obviously clearly a, a path on my, a major step on my, my spiritual um, growth. And then what's been cool, COVID, we moved COVID wiped things out, didn't go to church for a couple of years during COVID. Yep. And plus we moved um, in it. And Katie's like, okay, um, find a place. If you want to go, I'll go. You know, it's kind of like, I'm. as far as going to church, um, I'm the one who wants to go to the most in the family. Okay. Right. Yep. So she's like, hey. Take the lead. I'll, I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Get get off your butt. <laughs> and and <laughs> And you said, Jay, check out this. Why about this one? And I went and we'd been there for a, a wedding before and they have a contemporary service. The music's good, right? Yeah. The sermons, I like them. So it's like, oh man, this is, I actually found a place where I like the music. I like the, the sermons. And so it's a pretty cool, uh, you know, I now don't go out of obligation. Yeah. Right. I, I go because it's actually, I, I enjoy the music. Right. Um, I like the sermons and it's like, okay, cool. So it's like, wow, I can, I guess I can connect. I, I can get guess fed. I'm a church yeah. going dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because a lot of men, uh, get dragged to church by their wives, right? We go out of obligation rather than seeking something. So you've, you've obviously been on this journey of, of seeking something and you've mentioned music and you've mentioned art. Um, and it's like the sermon itself as an intellectual pursuit uh, is, is one thing, but 
but the music there's and the art and you know there's there's feeling there's emotion there's all of these things and it and and then community and so absent any of those it's a it's a bit incomplete right and i think as men we need to connect right so yes absolutely in the other thing and what i do when i go to church right when it's time for, and I'll even, you know, be thinking about the lyrics, right, in the, in the songs, but when it comes time for the sermon, you know, I am absolutely, right, what's the lesson for me? Mm, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Where can I, where can I take this and, and, and be better? Yeah. And it's you amazing because you can find I, that connection, right? Because these oh. are deep truths. So deep truths have application in a variety of domains. And so whatever's going on in your life. When you, when you hear a deep truth, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good way to think about that. Or that applies to this. Yes, absolutely. And even, right, if, if say, say I disagree, right, or have a different mm. take, yep, yep. Then, then, then it can be a neat conversation on the way home. Gotcha. Right, because I, I do think, right, uh, you know, what our relationship to God, right, is is personal mm-hmm. and 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 it really helps to have a container right like for me it's being you know protestant and that's the you know that's the the, the bigger shape to it right but i mean all ultimately right it's like okay well, how am i interacting with the word and sometimes it's like i need to <laughs> sometimes i need to push back on myself yeah. Right. And then, you know, other other times, this is one of the things that was really cool about seminary. Is that n- number one, the idea of one interpretation was just thrown out the door so fast. Right. Mm. But but not only thrown out the door, but shown why there can be multiple interpretations, everything from how the word is translated. Mm-hmm. Right? Is it fear of the Lord or is it awe of the Lord? You know, it's like that yeah, yeah, word yeah. means both things. Yep. You know, and there's trembling connected to both of them. Yeah. Right. But what? So that's a little bit different, you know, and how much of it changed of what, you know, we think of, um, you know, when they're talking about shepherds, everybody knew what a shepherd was, right? And we've got kind of an idea. But so how does, how does those changes, right? Right. Or when, um, there's this one guy, Walter Wink was great. I, I read his, he had a small book and it was about, sometimes we don't even get the meaning of something like, uh, fully of like turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And he wrote about, well, if you're slapping a servant, you slap them with the back of your hand, right? Because you're above them. You slap an equal with your open hand. I guess I, I did mm. not know there were slapping etiquette, but there was. <laughs> Yep. And he said, so if, if, if your master, right, slaps you, right, or somebody above you slaps you and you turn the other cheek, what you're actually doing is if you're going to hit me again, you're going to hit me as an equal with the palm of your hand. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I think that's like, that's, wow. That's right. And that's something that might be taken as, um, as a weakness or, you know, just giving up or over, there's actually, there's an act of, of, of self-worth in it, right. Or self-love that I am, you know, okay, you might be in charge, but in that understanding of everybody, right. Being a child of God, you're, 
it's we're equals, buddy. <laughs> so go ahead and slap me. I can't do anything about it, but you're going to hit me open palm. You right. know, I, that, that kind of stuff. I was just, I was, you know, fascinated. fascinated by. Yeah, for sure. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, um, let's kind of turn the corner here and just talk about, I, I know you're uh, a teacher, but let's talk about some of your professional path and some of the insights that you've gained, uh, at, you know, in your, in your teaching, mentoring, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, so I was, I started out teaching English and I would also be teaching some, uh, English as a second language, uh, courses too. So in that was Polish you know, there, the it, first language or, uh, 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 no, I surprisingly <laughs> didn't get to use that a lot in Minnesota. Okay. Uh, I should have moved to Chicago. Yeah, there you go. Um, plenty. It's like where there's more kielbasa, Warsaw, yeah. Chicago, and then back to Poland for population of Polish people. Um, <laughs> so one of the things, my whole 20 years that I was teaching, I always had my foot in developmental education developmental education, which that is, you can think about people come to college and they're not quite at the reading at the college level, right? Or writing at the college level. So what I liked about those courses is um, so many of your of college professors have really never been taught how to teach. Mm -hmm. I mean, they haven't, they don't, they're, they're all, you're, you've got your, this in chemistry. So, you know, chemistry now will make you a teacher. K through 12, you get certified, you learn how to teach. And so, um, and there's a small group of like education teachers who absolutely have been taught how to do this. And, but in, in the developmental, there's a lot of, a lot of how to teach stuff built into to learning how to do that and what's important for, for people to learn, you know, what are the roadblocks. And so I, I spent in 20 years um, having that as an element of my my day-to-day -day work, right, is helping people, you know, to get to where they want to go, to get up to the level that they need. And then um, midway through to increase my career opportunities, I went back and got credentialed, which just means I took um, 20 credits of graduate stuff in education so I could teach in the reading department. You know, So I am really spent a, a, a lot of time spending time on how people learn and what gets in the way of their learning. Interesting. Uh, and that was when I first started uh, to looking into more of the, the neuroscience aspects of learning. You know, there's a, a great, easy for anybody to to read book called brain rules which was like my starter drug okay and <laughs> you know that just for example just talks about how important sleep is for both emotional regulation and memory you know and and i think this is really huge for dads right because how many of us are if we're putting in long hours or we're sacrificing sleep mm-hmm right, to, to get things done. But what we're giving up when we're sacrificing that sleep often is to our ability to really regulate our emotions well the next day. Ah, which is why I you just know, like fly off the handle when I'm like, oh, that was stupid. He spilled his milk. Why am I going right. nuts? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's because you're not getting enough, uh, you know, enough sleep. And, and that is the definition of a new father too, I think, isn't it? Right. <laughs> you're just not so, getting any sleep. So what do you do with that? And one of the things that was really interesting, and I've got two different numbers from two different neuroscientists, but it was 10 to 20 as far as the naps, how long a nap you should take mm. between 10 and 20 minutes, because you don't want to go longer. If you go longer than 20 minutes, you're going to have the potential to drop into REM sleep, which is a deeper sleep. And then if you, in those cycles, take 90 minutes roughly. Mm. 
if you're taking a longer sleep, like 45 minutes or an hour, and you get up before that 90 is done, right, or go longer, that's when you wake up and you're more tired than when you fell asleep. So even worse for you. So a cat nap, right? 10, 10 minutes, you, 20 minutes, that's absolutely. the range. So <clears throat> newborn, newborn dads, yeah. yes, you're going to be tired. You're going to get through it, but set timers, grab those naps when you can. Yep. And you know, and you'd never totally rebuild your loss of sleep, like with a 10 minute nap, but you sure do help. It does actually, you know, uh, have an impact. I have one story about my neighbor yeah. who took a, a 10 minute nap and we were, he was laughing about it because his wife was always telling him it's not long enough. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? I, I actually just had a class that talked about this and he's like, Oh, send me it. And I'm like, sent him the little you know the little the, the research that shows about you know how this is a this is a good one and um they're both awesome they're a great husband and wife team with with three kids but it was funny yeah because they were arguing how long should the nap be one yeah. was like short whether longer um yeah so, so even like um whether that you're you know there's all kinds of practical ways to kind of so you don't want to do it while you're driving but you can park you know 10 minutes from the house take a little nap <laughs> that well, then you know finish the I rest did, of your yeah what did you do what are some I, tips i was going with well i was going with my son uh over on a we had sp spring break and we go up north and a couple times we've done this and it's been awesome we go up north we eat a bunch of pizza and we watch anime and play some games you know and that yep. that's a spring break for, for a few days and um we're driving up there and i'm tired and I'm like, man, this is stupid. I'm 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 putting my my son at risk to get to this, you know, this important. I want this four days with my son. I'm like, I'm like, buddy, I'm I'm tired. Pulled over at the next rest stop, you know, set my timer and said, you know, he's he's got his phone, something to do. And I and I took a 10 minute nap. Yeah. Right. And woke up and I'm like, you know, because it what I don't know why I was tired at like, you know, yeah. 10 a.m. But I was. Took the ten minute nap. I'm like, okay, we're good now to go. I can be a good dad, not yeah. kill us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go up. You, you know, so that's good. The uh, yeah, that's that, by the way, that's also how you know when your kids are growing up as they get older, they want to nap again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I love naps. Yeah, naps are great. Well, good, good tip. Um, yeah. So what are, uh, so that's a, that's a good tip. What other things to have you learned kind of from the neuroscience maybe that applies to, to being a dad? Um, well, what's cool, I, th I think too, and I'll tell you so much of this, once you learn it for yourself, you can start sharing it with your family, right? But in, you know, <laughs> in appropriate ways and not, you know, I, I know some of us, right, can be like, now I know everybody do this. Let's make a big, huge change. And I won't explain why. And every, you know, it's like, no, be careful. Gently, you know, mm. introduce these things. But like, like with the sleep, right? I think one of the first things to do and is model it yourself, Right. It, if you make a point to making sure you're getting enough sleep, you know, when you can and not that, you know, with the new dad part, you, it's your kids older, though. It's like if I'm getting enough sleep, um, it's a lot easier to tell my son and I don't have to because this guy likes going to bed and being out of schedule. He's a he's a uh. unique 
individual, right? And because yep. uh, I hated getting up, going to bed early. Um, but you can start sharing it and, and using it. And a better thing about the sleep is if your child is having a meltdown, one of the things you can ask yourself is, okay, is how much of this meltdown is just about the child being tired? Yeah. Did they just come off a bunch of sugar? Did they just, right? Right. And that's yeah. diet. And you know, yep. I mean, how, how food shapes, you know, so there's, um, there's the cool things of is you can take that and once you, you know, and sometimes the stuff is like, you hear it and you're like, oh man, that's obvious, right? Like mm-hmm. getting sleep. But I, I think sometimes as dads, we actually need, we need that scientific credibility to knock us over our heads right and we can say well i don't need to sleep it's like no knucklehead you, you do and if you tried it you'd probably find okay you, you say you don't need to go to sleep how well are you doing dealing with the challenges that you you know your kids bring up well i'm good i hardly yell more than three times a day well okay you're <laughs> yeah, not yeah, doing yeah. great I, I watched Try a video sleep. the other day that was really interesting uh, and it was somebody that was talking about down regulating their kids um and they have candlelight dinners together and it's like Wow. That okay. was fascinating. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because so often what we do is, you know, well, number one, we're not having dinners together because we're just running all over the place like crazy. Um, but that was really important in our family is making sure that, hey, we're, we're going to try, I try and work out my schedule so that we, family dinners were an important part of our daily uh, experience. And so this candlelight dinner idea was really interesting because it's kind of fun for the kids, but it's also yeah, the, the light down, it's, and then don't fill them with a bunch of sweet sugar because then they're just right back right. up, right? But you, if you, you want to settle down at night, you don't want to ramp it up. And I was the worst at that. My wife was always telling me we got to get them to settle down. Of course, you know I've been at work all day, so I want to, I want to ramp it up. But you can do that, you know, before dinner. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting—the candlelight dinner idea. Yeah, that is that is awesome. And I, you know, one of the things that just happened, I. I substitute teach every once in a while, right? After I, I, I quit my full-time job to do this full-time, I'm like, okay, I've got a flexible schedule. And I thought, you know what? I've been at college for 20 years. I want to see what the other half is doing it. Number one, you know, K through 12. And then the other two is like, you know, my boys are you know, 16 and 20. So it's like, I, I want to go back in and, you know, I'm in kindergarten and I'm seeing, you know, six-year-olds or I'm seeing the whole age range of what they're going through, what they're experiencing. So I started doing that about, you know, once, a, once every two weeks, I'll go in and do a day or, or half a day. And I started, a friend of mine encouraged me and said, okay, and she's a special ed teacher. And she's like, no, you need to go in and do that too. Right. To, to see that, what that's like in the, in the unique challenges, right. Cause there's a lot of parents out there who are dealing with that and just, I'll, if you if you can make uh if you ever meet up with somebody who teaches special education you know offer them a cup of coffee <laughs> right and start talking to them because typically man are they good at the 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 emotional regulation the yeah. you know how to deal with things and and so where all this is leading to is the value of patience and allowing our, and understanding and allowing our children to know that they're going to have an emotion they're going to feel it way more intense than us but it is also going to like a wave it's going to crest mm, yep and move on and there was so there was this there was this boy in a special ed class that i was is seventh grade uh and you know 
developmentally he was behind a bit and we're having he's doing his work we're having a nice you know happy kid and work had been done he got to use his laptop and then it was time to put the laptop away and he just and actually in and i was subbing for the first time in this situation right and 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 i wasn't thinking and this other student just came took the computer put it away she's not supposed to be using it and it was like whoa that was you know just basically ripped it right out of his hands kind of deal and he was not having it. Big shocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would probably be a little ticked if I was holding something and somebody took it. But then you, you had those challenges. And so he started knocking off the table, everything that was in front of him. And, and then, he, you know, he went to Ben's stuff. He's going to do some more destruction because that was the way he was expressing himself. And, you know, the the immediate stuff is move the things out of his reach. Right. Because you can't you don't mm-hmm. want him to get hurt. And you don't want breaking things. Right. And you know, move that stuff out of the way and he put his head down and every once in a while his arm would come up to to just see if there was anything there, right? To that push, he could, yeah. He could break. And, and what I did, right, and this is, I think, something that we can all do sometimes is, number one, I, I was freaked out as too strong, but I was definitely uncomfortable. I'm going, oh my goodness, what's, what she's doing? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I was unsettled, but it's like, okay, but that's, that's not going to help him, mm-hmm. right? And so, the other, you know, the, the parrot talked to him a little bit and he was having nothing of it. And then there was some other stuff going on. So she moved and I'm, I'm just staying in the area, right? Uh, real close just to make sure he, you know, he's not going to hurt himself or, or something's going to happen. And, and then I sat down next to him, but far enough away, right? That yeah. if he, you know, was reached out and upset, he's not going to grab me, but close enough that he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here. And he had his time. And he's there and it's okay. And we're sitting there and I'm just sitting there with him for a while. And then after a little bit, he has, he likes dump trucks and he'd been watching a dump truck video, you know? And so he was really angry. Now he's down there, you know, kind of shut off. And luckily I have a brother who worked for a mining company in Wyoming for a while. And I got to go out there and see the massive dump trucks yeah. <laughs> that they have in mining place. And they are huge. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I knew like the tires are as big as people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I start telling them about that and I tell them about how the pickups are so small that they can get crushed, that they have to have a giant, not a, a, well, a pull of flag that's like 20 feet above the pickup. So they don't get run over and crushed. And he is up and looking at me, right? (laughs) He's interested. I'm talking about something that he cares about. And then I, and then I moved on to my dogs which then i was able hey do you have any pets and he had a dog and he talked about the dog and how he gets the water and stuff and so you know he was through it we're like having a good time talking about our dogs you know and it was um you know that that was it the value yeah the value of a distraction yeah right (laughs) and a connection right um, yeah that's good and i think for the one of the biggest things uh for us a lot of us to work on is just the patience. Yeah, because it's the a battle pa- of wills. When it becomes a battle of wills, right? It's my will. I, this is the way I want it done. That happened to me the other day. I just had come off being sick for a, a week, and I had a fever and everything else, and I'm sitting here home with my grandson. I'm starting to feel better. I'm out of my bedroom. And uh, he did something that just set me off, and I'm like, and I just barked at him. And he crumbled. He's just turned six. And I was like... 
shoot, what did I, what did I do that for? That was stupid of me. It wasn't that big of a deal. But I kind of left him there. Now, when I was a younger dad, I would just like, it would piss me off because you're a young man, stand up, deal with it, let's go. <laughs> or, you know, I've, I've got my agenda. All of this stuff takes time. That's the hard part. Everything that you just talked about was like, I got to sit down, I got to slow down, I got to do all these things. Um, but I recognize, and I think this is the thing that I didn't recognize when I was a new dad, was how big I am, how well, loud yeah. I am, how strong my voice is, and how scared I have made my child. And I, and I looked at him crumbled, whimpering, you know, and I was like, did I scare you, buddy? And he just nods his head, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Pops didn't mean to scare you. And I just got down at his level, and I'm like, I'm not mad at you. I yelled, and I shouldn't have done that, and I was loud, but that doesn't mean I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I got loud. And and he, and he settled well, that, right down. Then it was like, wow, this is really, really interesting um, how important it is to it's hard to see the world through their eyes when you're when you're wanting them to be the man the young man or you know it's, it's like these are you're not teaching these lessons in these moments right i think i think we do a lot of that or at least i did right well and and though and i the fact right that you recognize it yeah Right. And, and take that moment because you're also teaching him, right, that, you know what, what you just did, right, teaches him that, you know, if you ever get cranky and you yell at us or you yell at mom or you yell at dad, you know, you, it happens. Dad's, and then you can. We all lose it. Cool yeah. Off or yeah. Realize it. Yeah. Right. You can stop and say this is. Oh, because if. If we're trying to be. Perfect. Number one, we can't. Yeah. Right. And then we start bringing in all kinds of stuff about, well, if I'm supposed to be the perfect dad, well, why don't you just uh, back up one of those metaphorical dump trucks full of shame because you're not going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, so it's like, right, right. OK, it's, um, you know. That. Awareness to say, OK, wait, I didn't want to do it that way. Right. And yeah. then. Right. And it's not like magically once we decide we don't want to do something this particular way it's not magically going to stop right until we figure out some new ways to do it and we get some experience and, and we try it out and the i think the cool thing about our kids is um they've got a lot of they give us a lot more leeway than we realize right if we can come back yep. and in it if the majority of the time um you're you're there and you're loving dad and then every once in a while years um you know, you have the, you know, the slip up or you're short tempered or something like that. It's like, yes, that stings, that hurts. But if, if they've got X amount of years, months, weeks of yeah. you being a loving dad, it's like, you know, eventually you'll get to the point where they'll be like, Hey, knucklehead, what are you doing? Something's wrong. Go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's, um, an important message there for dads is it's, it's okay to it to admit you made a mistake. It's good for your kids to know that that you do that because they do that too. You're modeling that, right? Because oh yeah, yeah, and and just think too about um, 
what kind of dad do you want to be? Mm. You know, do you want, you know, do you want to be? Give me some options. You know, what, what, like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, um, do you want to be the dad who spends most of his time flipping out and then apologizing? Mm. You know, or do you want to be the dad who most of the time doesn't flip out because you've figured out some strategies, yep. right? From from whatever's going to personally work, right? From the, the the counting to ten kind of basic stuff to to realizing when you're not in a place to talk yeah. and be the father that you want to be. Because it's okay to put put yourself in a timeout, right? And say, look at you know, son, daughter, this is important. I am too upset to talk about it rationally right now, right? I love you. <laughs> We're going to take a pause and I want you to, you know, yeah, right. I need a break. Yeah. Then, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that, uh, you were calling that, uh, patience, I think, or yeah. And, uh, yeah. Putting yourself on timeout. That's another good. So when I, I have a, uh, I think a really easy, uh, litmus test when, when like socially, right. Meeting new parents, if we're in, in some place, right. And, and basically it'll be something like, you know, we'll, we'll be talking, um, and I mention somehow that I've screwed up as a parent, right. Or some self doubt that I have. Mm-hmm. And if the other parents are like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, tisk, oh, I'm not tisk. hanging out with them. Right. If the other parent responds with, Oh man, you do that too. Or this is where I feel like I'm feeling like, okay, we got some honest parents. We're going to have a good time yep. because we can share our fears. We can share our successes and we can, and nobody knows their kids better than they do. Nobody knows my kids better than in Katie and I, yep. you know, so one of those things about um, advice that I'm not, I'm not big on, right? Is that I don't know your situation, right? Right? What your relationship is with your wife or your or your ex or you know what your kids are. Some kids really benefit from, you know, a a parent who's loose and laid back, yep. right? And another kid in the same family might flounder with the loose and laid back because they need more structure to feel safe. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they're there's, individual. There's yeah. no, yeah, yeah no one size no, fits all. No, that I think it's about. I have a funny story about that. that. It, it, it's related to potty training, but we have six kids. So my my first my one my first uh, oldest is boy, and um, this just so clearly drew this out for me because. I'm like, all right, we're going to work on potty training. And for him, what we did is we had the wee-wee jar. And so in the wee-wee jar, we'd drop a quarter into the wee-wee jar. And when the wee-wee jar was full, then we could get the toy, right? And so we had he wanted this truck. And so we had a picture of the truck. We put it on the refrigerator. It's like, all right, uh, when you're consistently, every, every time you go wee-wee on the potty, quarter in the jar, fill the jar, we get the truck. Every time you have an accident, we're going to take a quarter out of the jar, and the truck's just getting further away. So he had one accident, and he had a meltdown because I took a quarter out of the jar, and that was the only accident he ever had. Three weeks later, we're off to the store. We go get the truck. 
Now, he changed his mind on what he wanted. I didn't care. You, whatever you want, it's fine with me. All right, so now my daughter's coming along, and it's time for her. Get the wee-wee jar, set up the whole scenario. She goes to the bathroom on the potty. We put a quarter in. She's all happy. Next time she has an accident, we pull a quarter out of the jar. She's just as happy. She's happy. A quarter's going in, quarter's going out. And I was like, wait a minute. This, I had a system here. I was going to write a book. <laughs> yes, right? She's it, the artistic one. It did as long as, hey, we're... <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, I guess that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it is it is crazy. There's been stuff out there. There's like for some people, it's it you know the and it, it sounds it sounds bad saying it just because there's a, threatening your child, that's that's horrible. There's no need to threaten your <laughs> child. But the the threat of punishment for some people actually works for other people not at all and it's counterproductive yeah right or uh, you know uh, or it just doesn't work period but then it can be counterproductive and then there's other people and this is really cool they found this out with uh with energy stuff uh for energy bills if you want to get people to uh use less energy if you give them a spiel about it's important save the environment or something like that. Energy use doesn't change mm. for the most part. If you put in their bill a list of where they fit in among their neighbors and say your neighbors average spend, you know, four or whatever, and you do five or six, then I was in the five or six. But, well, crap, our neighbors are doing that. And, and that <laughs> will actually get people the competitive to, nature. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. And, my wife works in healthcare, and there's sort of like a doctor. If you want to make a disaster, go into a hospital and say, "Doctors, you must do this," mm. and they'll be like, "We're the experts. We trained. Go to hell," <laughs> you know. But if you say our hospital is going to try to is to reach this goal, and here are the steps that we're going to do, right around you know hand washing, surgery procedures, and yep. say you know, do you want to be on board for this goal? They'll be like, yes, and do those things. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you need, like you said, you need. So what did you come up with? If the if the coin jar only worked for the one but not the other. So what was your next? Yeah. Or was it just well, time? Back, until back, she did? Yeah, back to the drawing board, right? So I and, and uh yeah. So I think the the whole idea of having a goal, having a reward, recognizing what's going on. So the only thing you can't teach somebody is motivation. You have to find the motivation. So what is it that they, that they want to accomplish? So with my son, what he was able to do is he was able to make that connection because he wanted that truck. Uh, I don't think that my daughter really had any sort of connection or idea that, that was too much of a, of a leap for her, but she didn't. So what we ended up doing, what she didn't want to do, she loved this, uh, uh, what was it? It was like a um, Dora the Explorer sheets and Dora the Explorer PJ. She had Dora Explorer everything. Well, we, you don't want to pee on Dora the Explorer. <laughs> that actually worked way better. Because see, so it wasn't yeah, it wasn't what I'm going to achieve. It was like, oh, I'm 
I'm hurting something that's more important, right? So you, you just got to find that motivation. There's always a motivation. And think about yourself. Um, you don't want to be artificially motivated. You want to be really motivated, like truly yeah. self-motivated. And I've always taught my kids, you're going to be disciplined. You either discipline yourself or someone else will be disciplining you. You can get a job. Yeah. You got to be there from nine to five. That they're disciplining you. If you know how to discipline yourself, then you don't need a boss. Then you can own your own company, but not until then, right? So it's a. Uh, but then you'll have you know someone else to. You're, you're you're never away from it. But that is the idea. Is the the key is finding a motivational frame within which that they can comprehend in an age appropriate manner. And it's even true for yourself, right? If you want to quit smoking, you're never going to do it unless you're actually properly self-motivated. Because why otherwise? Things get hard. And once you can't answer the why question, you're done. There's no more, <laughs> like, why am I putting myself yeah. through this? I don't have to, right? <clears throat> so I think that's a, that's a really important reason is understanding those things that uh, motivate you. And, you know, as a, as a dad, I always say a dad is a title, um, that, that you earn because, well, you know, you adopted your kids. A lot of dads happen to be dads just cause oops, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Now you are one. Okay. Well, do you have a vision for what you want? Um, I want to circle back to that for a minute and I'm all over the map here, but I've, I just find it interesting cause you did adopt two kids and, um, and I think, you know, how did that go for you? How was that, you know, easy? You had to step into the dad role. Did they accept you as their dad? I know they were a little bit younger, but was there any challenges with that or were the circumstances, you know, what, what were the um, circumstances surrounding all that? Well, the circumstances, right. The Katie was divorced. Um, their dad was battling alcoholism. Mm. So in the beginning, from everything I've heard, he was a very loving dad the first couple of years when they were little, which I'm so grateful for. Right. But by the time, you know, that I came into the picture, been a, uh, ultimately, when I started dating Katie, they would spend weekends with their dad. Yep. And within a year or two, that was no longer possible uh. because he was it wasn't a safe place for them to be. Aww. So. Yeah, that was, that was hard on them. So that, yep. Absolutely. And I think it was definitely hard on um, the Everybody. oldest. Yep. And so for, so it was really two different, well, always with our kids, right? But two very different um, paths for the youngest. Um, I think he was protected from a lot of it from his, his by his, his older brother. So, and he was very young when we started dating. So for him, I think that, that it was, it was pretty smooth, yeah. you know, because I'm just, I'm, I'm there, I'm, I'm playing with them and then, then I'm there all the time. And it's just, um, although in Iowa, uh, I'm still Steve Are you? Yep. <laughs> because of years of not being dad, except, and, and I, and I do, I do love this when we're out somewhere and somebody's like, who's that? And either one of them will go, that's my dad. I'm like, Oh gosh, that, that, that feels really good. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But I know for, um, 
for all that time, right? They meet me as as, as Steve at first. And for the uh, the oldest, it here's where that patience comes in, right? I one of the things that I haven't said on is I did um, work for the long time with teens in a mentoring program, and so I I worked with a lot of of boys from coming from diverse how um, divorced homes with a lot of dads who weren't around much, and mm-hmm. so that gave me um, some some good practice and some lessons in about okay so with the the oldest i definitely i just need to, i need to be there i need to be patient and i need to let it be it you know for me be there be present and also know that this is going to be on his time frame mm-hmm. right yep. because i you know and when before we combined houses and got married right i would and after we've been together i would you know have I would have some time, right? Come over, we'd do a, a Bob Ross painting oh, wow. or something, yeah, you yeah. Know, right? And we'd do something and go back. So we started doing some some small, you know, ac- activities together just to help, you know, that go along. And it was, you know, his schedule, be there, understand and be comfortable with, he's not going to want to talk to me. He's going to go talk to his mom, you know, and yep. that's, um, and, you know, I had a 10 year plan. Um, happy to say it only took six years. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was going to ask. It's, it's a long, it's a long-term it, view. Yeah. 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 It, and, and that was awesome. And we have, a, um, you know, it, it was great just the other day. Oh, this is, uh, so when I was younger, we lived a couple hours away from the Twin Cities. There's a great used bookstore called Midway Books. And my dad had a deal with me. He would take me to Midway Books when he was coming up for an emotional anonymous meeting. I'd sit in the parking lot like in the summer while he did the meeting. And then on the way back, we'd stop at the bookstore, which had a really great World War II collection uh, you know, of books. Mm. And they were half price. And you know, I just had my allowance. And he would... And I'd have to use my allowance and he was doing kind of a money teaching thing. Right. And I remember one time we're driving home, it's a couple hours and you know, the whole thing is, you know, six, seven hour stuff. And I had spent all my money on books. So I didn't have money for food. And so he just went into the Hardee's and ate food while I sat in the car, you know, hungry. <laughs> and I'm like, that always ticked me off. And he mm. told, you know, later he's like, I'm sure I was trying to teach you something about money. Seems kind of dumb. So fast forward 25 years. Yesterday, I took my oldest, who's home from college, to Midway Books. Right, we didn't have time for lunch because we were doing a last night at a Chinese place that he liked, and it was like, you know, we got in there, and he'd he'd known the story, right? Because sometimes I'll sh- I'll share what, um, you know, something that went well between me and my dad, or something that didn't, and have that balance, just so so my boys are hearing me and let, letting them realize that I know I'm going to make mistakes mm, okay. and I want them to be at a place where they can say, Hey dad, that really bugs me or that hurt or what's going on. And so we can have that conversation. So that's good. And before he knew the story, so I'm like, all right, so we're going in and first three books are on me. <laughs> you, you know, it's just, it's cause we're continuing an Anderson father son tradition. Mm. but we're tweaking it for the new generation. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? That's good. And um, it it was fun. Cause then I get to see which books that he picks out, right. Where yep. his interests are. And he gets this awesome eclectic selection of, of books. One of which I never would have thought he'd pick a Western. He's not a Western guy, but he's like, I want to explore a Western. So he got lonesome dove, you know, which is a classic. So it was, 
Very cool. Yeah. yeah. It, right. Took something that bugged me, turned it into something. And and my dad coming, taking me, now that I'm thinking about it and talking about this out loud, my dad was trying to have some time with me. Yeah. But he wasn't trying. He was doing he it. He was doing it. Yeah. It, it didn't have the same impact as he thought it was probably because I remember him eating while I'm sitting in the car. Yeah. And there's probably probably hours of us talking about something and having a good time. And I remember the negative the one, the one bad thing. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, and there, I think there's an important lesson there is I think sometimes what we think we think we're doing a certain thing and our kids aren't actually receiving what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, this is what I was talking about earlier that these lessons can be too advanced for them. They're not ready for that kind of lesson. Right. They just know you didn't eat lunch with, I didn't get to eat. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a pretty basic yeah. necessity, right? And of of course you might think that. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times I was trying to teach a lesson, and they're not they don't they don't see it as a lesson. They see it as a moment in time, and this is happening to me. And now, like, what am I supposed to learn from this other than? I'm, right, it was an aggravating here. time. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, though, to think about. You, absolutely right. We have lessons we want to impart on our children, but those lessons will be meaningless if they're not at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Right, when our, our kids are ready. Good stuff. All right, well, let's uh, turn the corner here. I want to talk about the Best Dad program. Uh, and, you know, so help me understand the vision behind it and uh, kind of what's your unique approach there. Right. Well, so um, the best part, and because I wanted to keep the title short, is about how to be the best dad in the moment. Mm. Right. Because we're we're human. And and what what do you do to set yourself up with so that you're the best dad that you can be when you're tired? Right. The best dad you can be when you're not tired, the best dad you can be when you're stressed. So it's it's that's the oh, interesting. That underlying thing about the the best isn't it's a about um so it's not about sit-ups and push-ups uh no but maybe <laughs> if physical yeah. activity is something that you're do you know that it gets that's something that's Could getting be. in the way of you being the father you want to be and this is coming from a guy who lost 50 pounds oh nice right because i wanted to i, I wanted to be the dad that kept playing tennis right oh there you go my son so yep okay tubby you need to that was i was big <laughs> and it was like uh, so that's one of the things is that right understanding that we're human that and so how do we set ourselves up to be successful and I think that the two things that I can com- that I've combined and that I think are really crucial is there's there's the story that we tell ourselves right about what it means to be a dad about what our children need about who they are and so that understanding those stories and finding out when they're accurate or not that's huge mm. so understanding the stories that we're using to guide us is one part and the other half and this is where i took you know i talked about when i was as an educator reading all these books about neuroscience and and not the not the neuroscience article for neuroscience articles, because those are still a mystery to me, right? But but reading the brain rules and taking the stuff that's that's been 
put in a way for the, you know, the average college educated person to understand. And I took a course, a, a 14 week course, uh, neuroscience for coaches, right? How to take these things right, and apply them so you can be more successful. So half of it is looking at the story. Half of it is using, you know, neuroscience. For example, you talked about motivation, mm-hmm. right? Motivation is in one part and you, you know, Yes, absolutely. If you got it, you have to have a goal that you want as opposed to one somebody else has, right? And you have to think that it's attainable. But the other part is your goals are going to be shaped if you get them or not by the habits you have. Mm. And the habits that we have, right, are shaped in a lot in a huge part um by basically the sort of like the the pleasure circuit of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And dopamine. Yep. Right. We do the things that give us that dopamine hit, which is why video games are so addictive. They're designed yep. to give you that boss win every so often and you keep going. It's like, yeah, you know, that's we like that. So how you can use that, though, for yourself in like a new habit is. You take the the habit that you want to do and you break it down to the smallest, absolute smallest, easy thing to do to get you moving in that direction. Love it. Yeah. And then you do it, right? Because you do it, like say, hey, I want to, I want to run two miles. Okay, well, how about you walk down the block first? Yeah. And you say, okay, so here's my goal. I'm gonna walk down the block. So you walk down the block and you come back, and your brain, you've been successful, releases dopamine, right? Yep. That's once. That's not enough, right? But then the next day, okay, hey, that felt good last time. Walk down the block come back, hit dopamine. And then all of a sudden now you're changing the pathway that was set up for you to sit home and do nothing or whatever it is that you were doing that wasn't physically active. And now you want, now you will, well, why not two blocks? Yeah. And you do the two blocks cause it's easier yep. and you just keep building that circuit in your brain that now all of a sudden this thing that you didn't like, you're actually getting pleasure from, and it gets easier to do. And for myself, um, I actually, I do, one of the things I do in the morning, morning, I do in the morning is 30 minutes on an, the elliptical machine. Okay. Right? Yep. I like it. If you would have told me at any time up until my life, until about three years ago that said, hey, Steve, you're going to get on an elliptical me, machine and, and like, I'd be like, you're crazy. Right? And I started at about seven minutes. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. And then I got to 10, you know, then I got to 20 and then I was doing 30, just flat easy. You know, then I'm doing 30 at a plus three. Now I'm doing 30 at a plus nine. And it's just that I like it. Yeah, I don't when, have to beat myself up to, to, get I talked, there. I, I talked about this in a previous podcast, but it, I set ridiculously small goals. That's what you just said. Yeah. Right. And it's either a yes or no tomorrow. I can say yes or no. Did I get up and did I walk that block? Yes or no. No, you didn't. Okay, you're a loser. Okay. <laughs> it's like, well, right? No, it's like, that's the way I have to talk to myself. Like, it's... It, I, I, <laughs> I get that, and I may challenge the self-talk there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you found a system that's working for you. You that, know what I mean? But it... That's it. But it's... In- I encourage myself through... Yeah. Come on, let's go. You got it. It's it's encouraging. Um but that's what I mean by it's so ridiculously low that if you don't do it, you are disappointed in yourself, right? Because, well, uh, I use disgust as a motivation. Okay. Yep. 
Well, and you know what, too? Think about this, right? It's a personality thing, too. For sure. For, and that works for you, right? Problem. And hell, maybe it's it's super healthy for you, right? There might be somebody else who's got a really negative self-talk that's getting in the way of them being the dad that they could be because why try this? I'm just a totally, totally. I can't do this. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You know, don't kick a man when he's already down. Yes. Yeah. I have overinflated yeah. view of myself. So that's why I have to beat myself up. And, and baby, <laughs> right. Well, think about how many there's, there's some guys who love razzing each other. Yep. Right. And, and that's it. And, you know, some, yeah, that, some, Sometimes it's fun and sometimes knock it that, off. I that's why I play it. hockey. Yeah. We're always razzing each other. Good, yeah. good deal. So that sounds like a great uh, program. I love what you're saying. So it's the stories we tell ourselves and we need to understand those. And then you're applying some things that you learn from brain rules. Uh, I, I love that. Um, and so uh, how do, you know, how do people get involved with this? T- tell me a little bit about, you know, you're, you're doing coaching. How, sure. how, how does that's, all that work? Super easy thing. Uh, uh, super easy thing to do is be, if you uh, send me an email at Steve at Steve Anderson.coach. And, and if you do that, cause I, I want to, so I want to help as many men be better fathers as I can. So I'm, I'm doing that in, in multiple ways. And one of the things is I'm doing, uh, I really believe that journaling can be effective. So if anybody out there sends me an email, I've got a, a nice little PDF two-page thing on guided journaling that they can start using immediately. One of them is a set of questions that are, are used around just sort of, not sort of, that are used in a lot of different places for uh, emotional regulation, sort of like, you know, understanding, okay, I just, oh, I got so mad. What am I going to do with it? these three questions will give you a way to process those emotions that you're having. So it, so that's explained in there. I've got another that they, I adopted it from, uh, they use it in a lot of medical training, you know, Mm -hmm. with with doctors about something happened. So how do you actually make sure you learn a lesson from it? And there's a set of questions that I I modified them for, for dads. And I have also, uh, believe it, seven or eight strategies. I can't remember the number off the top of my head on just, you know, things to keep in mind as you're doing this to, to get the most out of it. And, you know, and I'd be happy to send that to anybody who's, who sends me an email and they can, you know, it, the neat thing that I like about it is I think we need to be in communi- community, right? With, with, with other men and women too. And that we can talk about, you know, what we're doing in our roles are. And, and ultimately it's going to come down to each of us to decide about the dad we're going to be today. Mm. And journaling is a neat way where it's, you know, it can be powerful. It can be a waste of time, <laughs> you know, to, but, but here's some questions. So if you ever open up a, a blank piece of paper and say, what the heck do I do? This will give you some, oh, um, give well, you, some prompts. you can yeah. try it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it works, awesome. Now you got a tool for the rest of your life which is excellent. All right. And so uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's Steve at Steve Anderson.coach. And Anderson is spelled. Go ahead. S O N S O N. All right. Not the Swedish version. Yeah. Uh, or maybe I got that wrong. I don't know. Excellent. Um, and uh, let's see. So Steve, really, is, is there anything else you want to add that we haven't, you know, gotten to, talk about or any uh final Um, thoughts you know i just think for 
for dads, if you're, if you know that it's ready to make, that you want to change some things, right? Uh, I would say this. Awesome. Start small and manage your expectations because everybody around you is used to how you have been. Mm. And so you might have this, oh, I'm going to be different. And they're going to be, well, maybe you're going to do this for a week and be right back. Right. So, you know, it, it sometimes it takes a long time for the people around us to believe that we're really making a change or things are going to be different. And and that's OK. So just know that, you know, if you start small and start making these changes, it, I think we can set ourselves up for failure by thinking, right, if I I, I might make a great plan with you know, one of my boys yep. and then they're like, well, that sucked. <laughs> right. Ah, oh, but that was the key. Is like, well, no, now I'm you know, trying to like, spend well, quality time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And it's, they're wrong. <laughs> so, you know, just know you can, um, it. And we're dads for the long haul. So. Yeah. Good. Uh, good advice. Very good advice. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I've, uh, this is a, this is a good place for us to, to end. We've covered a lot of ground here. Um, I think, uh, You've brought a lot of insights and, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to send you that email cause I want to, I'm not a journaler. Absolutely. So, uh, did any, any tips on journaling for those that don't know how to do it? Is it, do I just, you just start writing, you get a notebook. Uh, what do you do? Yes. And so I'm going to throw this out when it comes to journaling and it's interesting, everything can be positive or negative or it's everything's probably typically both. Right. Mm -hmm. So journaling on the plus side, you can do all kinds of things by getting your thoughts out on paper. It's a way of actually moving it out of your head. And sometimes that's it. Some people even use it as like a tool to get an idea out. So you don't have to carry it around. Yeah. Right. So sometimes it's a way now journaling can also become very narcissistic. Mm. right where you're just writing about you and oh look what's been done to me and and Ah. and so so that's that's the danger side one of the ways to avoid that right is to um you know an easy way to uh, to avoid that sometimes is just you know what put your son or daughter's name on the top of a page and start writing what you love about Mm. your son or daughter interesting okay take the focus off you yeah Right. And and then come back because we got to figure out our own stuff. But if you find yourself right. Just really just getting if at the end of journaling, you're more focused on yourself even more and less focused on your family, which could could happen. Just go, oh, crap. OK, tomorrow I'm putting yeah. my child's name on the top yeah. and and start from there. And. That's I think that would be a. A piece because it, it it really oh the other thing is don't worry about your spelling who cares if you use full paragraphs this is for you just, you do it for five minutes you do it for 15 minutes great get it you down. know what i mean there's yeah. it, um, the bible says that we are to hold our thoughts captive and i think journaling is a way to do that we actually yeah, capture them on it. paper food for yeah, thought and Let's end with that. That's a good one. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, I definitely enjoyed getting uh, to chat with you, Steve, and just want to encourage everybody uh, to get in touch with Steve, get a hold of 
this PDF that he's got. He'll send it to you. And uh, have a great day. And thank you all for listening. Um, thank you for participating in Dad Mode, God, Grit, and Goals, where we are working on becoming better better fathers, better husbands, better humans. I love you. Take care.